0: Hallelujah. Thank you musicians, platform workers. Appreciate that ministry. Thank you uh, for your giving and for your support. Colossians chapter number three. I was uh, uh, remembering a a story that uh, Brother Bear uh, told us. When one of his girls, amen, one of his daughters was very young. I won't mention any names. I may just mention the initials, but I won't. And uh, she was uh, uh, upset uh, with her and tired of her old daddy. She wanted a new one. So I want a new daddy. And Bear uh, responded as only Bear can, and he said to her, "Pack your stuff. We'll go find you a new daddy." I didn't get complete clarification as to how the story went. I, you know, I'm just gonna kind of, kind of tell it as I remember it. So she packed her few little belongings and he got she got in the car and he drove her down to the homeless shelter and pointed her to a man there and said, Right there, that's your new daddy. <laughs> now, when Baird told me that story, I got assassin that's that's mean. <laughs> and then I thought, no, that's sheer genius. I believe, amen, that if Barrett hadn't a had got saved, he would have been one of those evil geniuses. <laughs> now that's a different kind of discouragement. Where he discouraged his daughter, amen, from not forgetting how blessed she really was. Oh, come on, Somebody. Because you know you know how kids are, right? They complain about what they ain't getting, what they don't have, what somebody else has, amen, and they forget uh, how blessed, amen, that, uh, that they are. Uh, you know how blessed our children are to have a mommy, to have a daddy who loves them, who prays for them, who takes care of them, amen, and especially who serves God. But there is another kind of discouragement that we find in the Word of God that parents can transfer to their children. And it's not good. Amen? It's in the Word of God. This is something that the Apostle Paul speaks to, amen? Uh, Here in our little verse, amen, just one verse, verse 21... He says, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Now he's talking about discouraged children. And, you know, he, the apostle Paul, he doesn't point to the world. He doesn't point to the school system He doesn't point to the friends uh, that discourage them. He speaks to the parents uh, and he's he's addressing, amen, moms uh, and dads. uh, And he says, uh, he gives this command, uh, he gives this word, do not provoke your children uh, to anger lest they become discouraged. Now I have often read that scripture and wondered about it. Have you? No. Does anybody think here? That that's you know this is a thing called a brain. It's, it's it looks like a, it looks like a like a walnut. Some of you it looks like a peanut. But it's in your it's in your skull, and you use that God gave it to you to think. So, I mean, I have I have pondered that scripture how why is he saying this why how, how do parents amen how can we provoke our children to to anger to wrath amen and uh, and cause them to be discouraged and what exactly amen is he speaking to here and how's it possible that our children can become discouraged. I don't want to discourage my children, and neither should you. Our kids ought to be encouraged to serve God, to love God, to 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 desire church. Amen. Some of your kids hate coming to church. I wonder where they get that from. Sometimes. Me? Okay. Maybe. Amen. The question. Really that we need to answer, amen, is how can we as parents negatively discourage our children? Because it happens all the time. I, I, I talk to discouraged kids all the time. Discouraged children, discouraged teenagers, amen, who have walked away from God, who have sworn never to step foot in church again. And so to answer that question, amen, I want to consider first of all what that word "discouraged" means. What's he talking about? So let's define discouragement for a moment. Amen. Why is it so dang, what's going on this morning? She, Come on, Jesus is alive. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's define discouragement. Uh, in my, my wife is from Blythe, California. <laughs> She's the only one that'll do that. <laughs> Everybody else is like, not me. <laughs> That's where I met her and we got saved there. And I love Blythe. Amen. And we were saved there and we were, we actually were disciple launched out and came back and pastored that church and had revival. Amen. But, um, Where was I going with this? Oh, oh, now I remember. Okay, so the reason that many of you have never heard of Blythe is because Blythe is a rinky-dink little town. But many of you have. Most people that have heard of Blythe, they will tell you, oh, we broke down there. (laughs) We weren't going to Blythe. We were trying to get somewhere (laughs) quickly out of Blythe. I've heard people say, man, it was it was hotter. That's the hottest place I've ever seen. I've ever been in. But another reason, amen, that Blythe is kind of famous, or maybe I should say infamous, was one of our denizens of the town by the name of Glenn Scotty Wolf. Anybody ever heard of Glenn Scotty Wolf? <laughs> Dang it, I'm batting zero. So if you have a Guinness Book of World Records, amen, look it up. Glenn Scotty Wolf, uh, the most married person in the world. That's our claim to fame in Blythe. And so I actually knew Mr. Glenn Scotty Wolf. And uh, his son actually went to school with my wife, right, honey? And so one day, oh, The other thing you must know about Glenn Scotty Wolf is that he was a preacher ordained with the Second Baptist Church of Greater Los Angeles. And so, uh, I remember one day because our church was not far from where Glenn Scotty Wolf lived. In fact, uh, Glenn Scotty Wolf used to have an old motel called Scotty's Castle. And it was just down the street from where the church actually was. They eventually tore it down because the roaches overran it. But I remember knocking on uh, Glenn Scottie Wolf's door. Um, you know, you, you walk, uh, you, as you come to the front door, there's a little porch. Uh, and the porch is filled with newspaper clippings uh, and uh, headlines and different things uh, of all the women that he married. And as I go to this house amen I were passing out flyers witnessing to people uh, and uh, and so I, I went over to the side the, the side of the yard there and that where there was John uh, uh, John Wolf which was his son and, and I called him I said hey and he came up and what's going on and I gave him a flyer started preaching to him and he got angry and cursed me uh, and I mean, he just, and and I remember he says get out of here and I remember thinking, man, this guy wanted wants nothing to do with God, with the gospel. And it didn't take. I mean, you talk about somebody that's discouraged from the things of God. But it wasn't hard to make the connection. Your dad is a preacher who's a pervert, who's been married 20, uh, I think 28 times. He's he's no longer getting married because Well, you know, he's passed on to eternity. And I remember thinking, man, this guy is completely, completely turned off and discouraged from the gospel. Amen. God help us, saints of God. Because we have children. You know, your kids should be in church every time the doors are open, no excuse. Why is it that we think us? Oh, listen, my wife and I got saved. We never went to church without our children. Never. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. But, men, our kids need to understand. Uh, amen. The priority of life uh, is not. The house, it's not the park, it's not the mall, it's not watching videos. Oh, come on, somebody. It's being in the house of God, understanding, amen, a priority that has to be established by you and me as parents. Looking back, this is the scripture that comes to my mind lest they be discouraged. When I look at this word and I consider the definition as I was working on this message and I did a little study on this word, kind of helped me to put it together. And I believe, amen, that this can help some parents here hopefully to identify whether you, listen, because the fault is not on your children but on you and me as parents, whether you and I have discouraged our children. I think that's something we need to consider honestly, all right? Is that are we cool? Are we good? Because some of you some of you parents are looking at me all mean. I can't tell because you're, you know, but your eyes tell the story. Like this. And we need to be able to identify that. Have I been guilty of discouraging my children? H- have I pushed my kids away from the things of God? Have I, Amen, done something that has caused them to become discouraged? Now, again, what are we talking about? Discouraged. The Greek word for discourages is athumao. And it has a variety of meanings, and all of them apply in this context. The first word that jumped out at me, this word to discourage, means to dismay. Okay, dismay. I want you to ponder that. The word dismay means to cause fear, to cause appall, to shock, or to horrify. Now, I want you to ponder that. He says, says, lest uh, your children be discouraged. Lest your children be shocked uh, and appalled uh, at your hypocrisy. Amen. Now, I certainly believe that we as parents should instill some kind of fear in our children, right? A healthy fear. Amen, I, I, uh, uh, I was downstairs in the bathroom because uh, that's my own private little restroom down there. And, and I heard a mom down there took one of their children to have a coming to Jesus meeting. <laughs> Not really quite sure who it was, amen, but oh, I could hear the sounds of violence. And what was happening, amen, is the fear of the Lord was being imparted. So there is a place for a healthy fear. Come on, somebody. However, beloved, listen to me, our children should not be so horrified and so scared that they can't even approach you. Come on, somebody, because there's parents that have the capacity of becoming unapproachable that your children fear you so much uh, that they can't come to you uh, that they can't open their hearts to you uh, that they that they can't come be without you amen snapping at them oh i feel you out there the second word that jumped out at me is the word disheartening to discourage means to dishearten And that word to dishearten literally is talking about being dispirited or losing your spirit. And that, beloved, is the last thing that you want to happen to your children. That they would lose their spiritual life. That they would turn spiritually away from God. That is what Paul is concerned about. That our children would be so appalled that they would literally become dispirited, that their spiritual life would become nothing. Oh, how many times I've seen this. Amen. Kids that were raised in church so discouraged and so disheartened that they would become devoid of all spiritual life and destiny. Are you, are you hearing me, church? I'm talking to parents. Amen. When I, I sent a text message announcing that, that I was going to be preaching, amen, on family, somebody sent me a text that said, Woohoo! I hope you're still woohooing, everybody. <laughs> this word, uh, listen again that they would become devoid of spiritual life, that the things of the world, and this is what concerns me, that the things of the world, that the things of the flesh, and that even the devil himself would outweigh the spiritual in your children's lives. The third word that jumped out at me, amen, is the word doomed. That... This is where your children are made to feel so imperfect and so guilty that they feel doomed. Listen to me, church. Your children will not be perfect. They are not perfect. Amen. And you've got to love them as they are and work with them and get to know them. Because they will. They will break your heart at times. They will do things that disappoint you. Come on, somebody. Amen. And we must instill in them the same thing that God instilled in you when you got saved that there is hope, that you're not perfect, but God will help you. And our children need that, they don't need to feel doomed. They don't need to be made to feel a sense of condemnation, but that there is hope. Amen? Secondly, let's talk about being provoked to discouragement. Now, there's a very fine line here because when your kids get older, amen, they know the game. When they're little, it's cool right? But when they get older, they've been around, especially like when they get 12, 13, 14 years old. Oh man, they know how to mess with you. Amen. They'll turn it around on you. I, I have six children. So I, I think I have a little bit of experience, but I remember my son, my oldest boy, Ricky, when he was a teenager, Amen. he was not serving God. And, uh, you know he was doing stuff he shouldn't have been doing, and and uh, and I gave him the beating of his life. He will forever remember his father. <laughs> I whipped his butt. I gave him a good whipping. Yes, as a teenager, can we spank our teenagers? You know, listen, I I don't. You know, it's very difficult to spank your teenagers. There's different ways to deal with them, uh, but uh, I can still deal with my teenagers. At least at that time I could. Not anymore, and I don't have no more. Well, I have one, but she's a little skinny, little nothing, so. (laughs) But I remember when my son was backslidden, and he wanted us to, you know, when, when your kids do something, and you deal with them, you catch them in the act. Have you ever caught your children in the act? You catch them in the act. You deal with them, amen. And and, uh, and maybe it's a repeat kind of thing. And then down the road, they want some liberties. You know, uh, can I get my cell phone back? Number one, they shouldn't even have a stinking cell phone. But... You know, or maybe you're giving them, they want their liberties back. They want to be able to do this or do that or go hang out with their friends. And, and you know, when my son tried, I said, no, son, because you've done this several times. And, you know, trust, amen, doesn't just happen. It is earned. And so he tried to throw that in my face. Because your kids will do that. Well, you know what happened to forgiveness? Why are you bringing up my past? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know, we may, I can laugh at that today. But when I remember back then, I wasn't laughing. It really dug deep in my heart. And I remember having to get on the phone and calling my pastor. I called Pastor Mitchell. I told man, Pastor, and Pastor, before I could, you know, because I'm going to bring land, pastor, pastor Mitchell stops. He says, Rick, it's a two-way street. You've done your part. He needs to do his, right? That's good. But here is where I want to take you for a little bit of a ride because the scripture talks about the power that we as parents have in provoking our children. Amen. He's talking about provoking, right? Paul talks about provoking your children. Amen. And this is a very interesting word to provoke at its core meaning, amen, it gives the idea, you have to understand that this word is not all negative, and it's not all positive, but it gives the idea of stimulating, right, stimulate somebody, influence somebody, that is what he's saying, that parents, uh, amen, that you and I have the ability to stimulate uh, and to influence, right, to 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 move uh, and to motivate uh, uh, somebody, that is part of our responsibility as Parents. I want you to ponder this for a moment because we have to see number one, the immense power of life. I mentioned the idea of stimulating to action, okay? And this reveals the power of. And the influence, amen, of parenthood. That you and I as moms and dads, we have the ability to stimulate, to move our children to action. We have that ability. We especially possess that when they're young. Depending on the words that you speak into their lives, amen, you can encourage them or you can discourage them. That is what the word provoke means. It's not necessarily negative, it's not necessarily positive. But it shows us that we have we as parents have the immense power to provoke and to stimulate and to move our children like nobody else. Amen. Now this brings us then to the immediate influence of a parent. Amen. Now listen who do we affect through, your, through our influence? Every one of us. Who are the people that are more influenced by, by your life? Those that are closest to you, right? Those that you spend more time with. Whether that be in church, whether that be at work, and especially your children. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. The ones uh, that we have most influence over are our immediate family. Amen. We have the power of influence uh, over our children like nobody else can. You see, here's the problem with many parents. Uh, They say, Well, you know, I send them to school and they hang out with their friends uh, and they and you know, uh, teachers, uh, and this and that, and I can't help that. Amen. And I understand that. That's the problem, right, that we face. Uh, But my question uh, is, where was your Influence when they needed it the most. The first people that your children come into contact with is mom and dad. Come on, somebody. Your kids spend more time with their mamas especially if you are not a working mother, and I understand today many moms are working, but if you are a stay-at-home mom, my my wife was for the most part of our marriage. There's been times when she's worked a job, uh, and thank God for that, but for the most part, she's a stay-at-home mom, raised our children, spent a lot of time with our kids. I mean, from the moment they were infants, one, two, they're terrible twos, they're terrible threes, they're terrible fours, Amen. And what I have, what we must understand, amen, is the power uh, of influence, not only but the, 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 the immediacy of the influence of a parent like nobody else. You can't blame it on their friends. You had first crack at them. Not their friends, not their school. Come on, somebody. You and I, as parents, we have first crack. If you have young children, oh, my brother, my sister, understand, amen, that you have immediate access to their lives and you have immediate influence into them. This brings me then to the intense view of a child. Kids, amen, some of you think that they don't, they're not watching anything, yeah? Some of you say stupid things, and then your kids repeat, and you're shocked. Huh? Where'd they get that from? They heard you. (laughs) I didn't think they were listening. Oh, you better listen. Amen. Pastor Mitchell once said that kids and wives are God's spies. children, your kids, they watch you like a hawk. They hear, they listen to the things you say. Amen? When somebody knocks on the door and you know who it is and you don't want to talk to them, tell them I'm not here. Oh, let that one out of the bag. (laughs) They watch every move. And listen to me, they file in their memory your every move. Amen. They will will remember things, amen, that you didn't even realize. Amen. I remember my son when he was little and we got saved, amen. One of the first things I did when I went home is I poured out all my booze. I had tequila. I had wine. I had beer. I'm pouring it into the sink, everything, on the same night that I got saved. My son saw that he was a witness to that. He saw his daddy uh, one day go sober, completely sober for Jesus by the power of God. And I remember one time, we were, my parents were visiting with us. My dad had gone to the, to the grocery store and bought some stuff for the, you know. He, my dad was like me. He had a sweet tooth. He always had to have ice cream or cake or something, amen. So he goes, buys all the sweet stuff and uh, soda, and, and he brought home a six-pack of root beer, and he's trying to get my son to drink a root beer. He said, here, root beer. And my son, all he heard was beer. He said, no. It's not good. Children are great imitators of their parents. My son Ricky, listen to me. When, I was pione- when we were pioneering our first church, my son was six years old, five years old or so, and I took him everywhere. I took him on outreach, I took him on follow-up whenever I would get. I had a lot of young men in my church, lots of teenagers, and I would constantly be picking them up, taking them out to get coffee or drink a coke, or go shoot some hoops or something. And I'm spending a lot. And my son, I always took him with me. He was he was one of my disciples. That's the purest form of discipleship right there. What was interesting is I began to hear my son repeat some of the phrases I would say. I mean, verbatim. Amen. Because your kids, amen, they are great, great, great imitators of their parents. Or whatever it is, amen, that you're putting in front of them. Which again, shows us, amen, the great and the powerful influence that parents possess. Amen. Amen. And it shows us also that by what we do or fail to do and what we say or fail to say, how it can affect their lives. You can't escape that, saints. You can't. Amen. I heard a man tell me, I I was warning a man about his children. He says, you can't blame me for my kids, the way they're acting. That's what he told me. I says, well, you had the opportunity, brother. And when I asked him about discipline, he says, he told me, he says, oh, I love my kids too much to spank them. Well, there you have. Your your children have become aliens. And today they're grown up, they're adults, and they hate God, they hate church, amen, and they, they ain't nowhere near the Lord. Oh, come on, somebody. The lives that we come into contact daily, our children, saints, as adults, amen, we need to be keenly aware that our kids, amen, they're watching, they're listening, they're observing, man. They observe like, no, they're, they're taking mental notes, amen, and they will repeat, the, you know, I've I, I seen my girls, man, I've seen my girls, when they were little, they had dolls. They spanked their dolls. Don't you ever talk to me like that again. I'm like, sassy? <laughs> Sorry, honey. So let me talk, lastly, I close. And this is the real key. This is the real issue here that I want to address. and That is bitterness and discouragement. He says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. See, the ultimate in our provocation that discourage is eventually that it leads our children to having unresolved anger. This is what he's talking about. He says, Do not provoke your children to anger, to wrath. Some translations actually say to bitterness. Amen. And so Paul is speaking here to fathers, uh, and he is commanding them literally not to embitter their children. Amen. But listen, saints, uh, this is not just talking about, uh, and by the way, that word father is the same word that we find in Hebrews uh, uh, chapter 13, where it refers uh, to the parents of Moses. So it's not just talking about a father in the masculine. It's talking about a parent, whether mother or father, by the way. I thought I'd throw that one out there for free. And Paul is saying, do not embitter your children. This is not just simply talking about getting your kids upset because some of you, that's what you, 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 you look at so oh, I made my, kid, my child angry. Oh, man. I, I, it's, it's, no, no, no. Your, your kids are going to get angry. You do, when you discipline them, when you take things away from them, uh, 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 you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're going to get upset. That's not what Paul is talking about. Because some of you are thinking, well, I can't spank my children because if I do, they're gonna get bitter. That's not what he's talking about. Your kids are gonna be upset. They live half their lives upset. (laughs) Because they can't have what they want. (laughs) Amen. It's true. My kids, you know, I remember when they were little, I, I'd come home, Dad, can we, go to, can we go to the mall? And can we go over to, to Dairy Queen and get this and then, the, and the, you know, the blizzards and know And i said, say, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we'll go to Disneyland and, and then we'll go uh, to Knott's Berry Farms. Uh, yeah. What that meant was no. <laughs> and they got upset. They lived angry lives. But that's not what Paul is talking about. It has to do with a deep-rooted, settled anger that stays in this child. And this can often, I'm talking about something that can affect their character for the rest of their lives, that can either turn them towards God or turn them completely against the Lord. Mom and dad, you, you, you better listen to what I'm saying here. Amen. So it's possible for parents to embitter their children. I have heard so many times. I have received uh, emails. I have I have talked uh, to children. I remember one time preaching a a sermon on on mothers uh, in California many many years ago, and I had a lady a young lady in my church who approached me and uh, and she actually called me after the service and and she was she says, Pastor, I'm just feeling so horrible, and and that sermon you preached this morning didn't help. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> That's what a pastor wants to hear. That sermon didn't help. I said, well, wait a minute. I, I preached on moms. She says, exactly. She says, exactly, Pastor. You preached on moms. And I have major issues, major anger, bitterness towards my mother. Whoa. I have received, amen, emails. Uh, I have talked to people uh, who have spoken to me uh, about this unresolved anger and bitterness uh, that they have towards their parents. And even though their parents, amen, were saved and in church, uh, and yet they were doing things, amen, that embittered their children. So how do parents embitter their kids? There's four things. There's a lot that can be said, but I can only address four things here this morning. First of all, parents can embitter their children by not disciplining them. Listen again, you know, parents, are, there's some parents that are so foolish, and they think, you know, listen, can I tell you something, my brother, my sister, you're not there to be your, your son's buddy. You're not homies. I'm amazed when I hear about, about teenagers that get high with their parents, I want to go slap them both. If it was legal for me to do so, I would. I'm serious. I'd go gangster slap the both of them. You're getting high with your child, your son. You're you're getting drunk. You're getting loaded. You know, listen, I was a thug and a punk on the streets. I never even smoked a cigarette in front of my parents. And I wasn't saved. This shows you the disregard and disrespect that that many parents, uh, amen, have instilled in their children. Why are they so dis- disrespectful? You made them that way. Hello. Tess. Y'all gonna come back tonight? I think I'm just gonna live stream it tonight, Pastor. We're shutting down live stream tonight, sorry. Amen. Now, why is this so crucial? Because one of the quickest ways uh, that we can develop bitterness in our children uh, is by refusing, uh, amen, to discipline them. Why? Because spoiled, listen, if you spoil the rod uh, 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 or or withhold the rod, you spoil the child, right? Right? Spare the rod, spoil the child. That's, that's the word of God. Amen. Listen, the Bible says folly is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. Do you, you know what folly means? Foolishness. Do you want your kid to be a fool the rest of his life? I don't want my sons to be fools, my daughters to be fools, uh, because foolish sons and foolish daughters marry foolish people, and that's not good. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm not trying to condemn anybody here, but the reality is that this happens and we have to be careful. We as parents, listen, you got to put in your kids, uh, in your daughters, uh, amen. You've got to put uh, in them uh, by your testimony, by your example, what kind of man to look for uh, to marry and vice versa. Look at mamas, listen to me. That's why I so appreciate my wife, always modest, always a man discreet. My wife never went around looking like a hoochie. Amen. I had a man tell me one time, well, you know, Pastor, I kind of like my wife when she dresses like that. I like how she looks. Well, that's fine, brother. That's what I told him. That's fine. That's good. You're supposed to. But you're supposed to, not everybody else. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's move on. Feels tight in here. Is it it just me? Is it hot or is it just me? Is it me, honey? Me? My wife says it. Just just nod your head, baby. Okay, she nodded once. (laughs) Either that or she's just bowing her head. Listen, when you don't, if you spare the rod, you spoil the child. That's biblical, right? That if you don't discipline your children, uh, you're actually spoiling them. uh, And spoiled children uh, are stinking brats. They're thankless. They're thankless. Amen. That's why I'm so glad uh, that we couldn't give it. If we could, we didn't give our children everything they wanted. Spoiled children are thankless and they're bitter. Why? Because they get their way all the time. Now, that's not why they're bitter. Not because they get their way all the time. But then, see, there's a thing called, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Reality and life. Life. That's why you know some of you. It's amazing to me how some parents, man, if, if they're little kids, they got little kids, they get a little, a little, a little tiff at, 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 at children's church or Sunday school, and they're ready to fight. The it's like let your kids fight their own fight. Let them learn to handle life because life is going to handle them. Can you imagine if you're fighting their fight for them all the time, if you're spoiling them all the time? Amen. When they go to work, they get a job. What's going to happen, amen, when their boss, oh, come on, somebody rebukes them or, or uh, uh, reprimands them or even fires them? Amen. I'm glad that my father, even though he wasn't saved, I remember going to him one time, "I want to buy a car. I didn't have enough money." <laughs> That's always the problem. I was talking big. I'm 17 years old. I, I want I need a car, man. I could barely drive. I hit my dad up. He says, I'm not going to buy you a car. I'm not gonna hit. I just wanted him to coast. I said, Dad, all you got to do this coast? I said, I'm not going to do nothing for you, dude. He says, you're always drunk. You're always high. You want me to buy you a car? <laughs> Amen. They become bitter when authority, other authorities because there's our other authorities. You're, you're the first authority, and that's why it's so important for, the, for you to teach them right. Because what's going to happen after this, they go to school. There's a different authority there. Amen? My son went to school, and... Uh, uh, he got into a little rock fight. You, some of you have heard this story. Got, got into a, a rock fight at school. And the principal uh, called, uh, uh, called mom at home. He says, uh, we, we, we found uh, your boy. We, he was, they were having a rock fight, but nobody else had rocks in their hands but him. He's blaming everybody, but he's the only one that they caught red-handed. And she, he asked my wife, do I have your permission to spank him? My wife's like, hmm, twice, three times. Don't touch my mijito. Mama said, yeah, you got my permission. So he got his spanking, came home from school. Mama picked him up. Mama's talking to him. So, you know, you got spanked and, you know, you got in trouble. So you don't be doing that. And and he's like, "Eh." and then he kind of walks away and kind of under his breath, he goes, didn't even hurt. (laughs) But mama, you know, mama, you got to be careful with Mama. She's lost a little bit of her eagle eyesight as of late, but she always had eyes like an eagle and ears like, I don't know, what what animals have, uh, she could hear everything like a satellite. (laughs) What did you say? It didn't hurt? Oh, well, we better take care of that. (laughs) Gave him a whipping and then said, wait till your dad gets home. That poor boy got whipped by everybody that day. Even the neighbors, we invited the neighbors. Come on, give him a whipping. There's authorities, amen. You know, they get thrown in jail. You know, I, I understand we can't control everything. And, and when our kids grow up, they're going to make their own decisions. I understand that, saints. But don't use that as an excuse to spoil them and to say, well, I'm not going to discipline. I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with them. It's just too, it's too much of a hassle. We embitter them because the Bible says that folly is bound up in the heart of the child. And the only thing that can, that can, that can drive it away is What? the rod of correction, discipline. And so we embitter our children because they're foolish and they remain foolish and we never drive the foolishness out of their hearts, the sin out of their hearts uh, through discipline. Amen. Ah, number two. Parents embitter their children by abusing them or giving them improper discipline. You know, sometimes you you, got to make sure... Let me kind of throw this a couple of different ways. You got to make sure that the punishment fits the crime. My kids always accuse me that I'm imbalanced when it comes to this. Uh, All of my kids have at one time or another wrecked their car. Jonathan wrecked his car, I don't know, three times at least. Uh, Tabby is the one, no, Rick is the one that started that fad. He totaled out his car. We gave Tabby the family van. <laughs> I think she wrecked it on purpose. <laughs> Jonathan wrecked his car at least three times, and then he sold it to, who did he sell it, to D-Block? And then D-Block sold it to Philip. Oh, you, oh. <laughs> And then D-Block sold it to his cousin. Then his cousin didn't pay him, so he went and repossessed the car. There's a history there. Hey, we're all familia here. That's why you hear many of these young people call Mama, Mama Sessie. But my kids say, you know what, Dad, you know we spill milk and you yell, oh, what are you doing at and then we wrecked the car, oh, you okay, everything okay? <laughs> I don't know that it's quite like that. Who said amen? Was that you, says But you know, we we, we we gotta be careful here, all right? There's improper discipline. Don't don't discipline your children. I know, I know we've heard it. Don't don't, don't spank your kids when you're angry. There's some truth to that, but not completely. Sometimes that's when you need to spank them. Just don't get foolish. When you're feeling it, you stink it. Come here. Come here right now. Because later on you go, oh, look at him. Because, you know, they know they know the game. And they're so cute, aren't they? Well, some of them, most of them, but not all of them. <laughs> and this is so important. The anger, amen, that is shown in our children many times is hard to remove. Because we, you know, we, we don't balance it. Amen. And it becomes abuse. And it becomes improper. Improper. Amen. The reason why, amen, that you got to be careful when you're angry. So, I don't know. Maybe you have the tendency to let some words fly. No. Okay. Praise God. Has anybody ever let said the wrong word when you were angry? Anybody at all? Okay. One, two. Okay. All right. I want you to stand right now. Say hi. My name is no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and this is why it's so important because your kids, amen, are watching you. And then when they get angry, <laughs> amen. And you know they they do they'll pick it up. I remember my daughter Misa when she was little. It wasn't even from us. We don't we don't cuss. But she was outside. Somebody was walking by and they tripped and they cussed and she thought it sounded pretty cool. She came into the house. <laughs> She tripped and she used the word. She never ever used it again. After that. Amen. Parents embitter thirdly their children by neglecting them. So many kids, amen, they they grow bitter because their parents are never around. And even, you know, I understand sometimes, you know, you got to work and all that, but but even when you're when you're not working, you know how how some parents, man, they just you know just put them in front of the TV, or just get them some some get them on social media, or get them some some uh, uh, some kind of a, a video game or something that they can entertain themselves with. And you don't see it this way, but you're actually neglecting. They're they're your children. Is that why you had them so you can just put them in front of the TV? The Bible says to train up a child in the way that he should go. Amen. And so we think that, listen, sometimes that's why we put our kids in sports. Oh, let somebody else, I'm just going to put them in sports, let them get entertained over there. Listen, it, it, thank God for coaches and teachers and pastors and, and, uh, and Sunday school teachers and all. Thank God, amen, for, for having people that, that will take the time to kind of help your kids along the way. But they cannot substitute who you are. It's important for parents to be the primary influence in the lives of their children. It was William Barclay who once wrote about Martin Luther he said, it is one of the tragic facts of religious history that Martin, Luther, Martin Luther's father was so stern to him that all his life, Luther found it difficult to pray our father. He couldn't even pray father because when he thought about father, he thought about his dad who had done nothing but neglect him. Amen. And lastly, parents embitter their children by showing favoritism towards other siblings. And this is crucial. I tell my kids, my grandkids, all of them, I get them alone. I say, hey, you're my favorite grandchild. Don't tell nobody else. We get a pretty good picture of this uh, in the story of Jacob, the father of Joseph. You know, Joseph was, it's obvious that he was Jacob's favorite. But you know where Jacob learned that to have a favorite? From his own parents. Because mama had her favorite, uh, which was Jacob and dad had his favorite which was uh, uh, Esau. And so Jacob gave Joseph the robe of many colors. Showing special favor. And what this did is this embittered the rest of the gang. Amen. Have you ever seen that, uh, the, the sibling rivalry? And I, I guarantee you it, it, it more often than not comes from the top. Well, dad always thought you were the smartest. Uh, dad always thought you were the prettiest. Dad always, mom always, amen. And so what happens man is children grow up disliking one another. Amen, and that should not be. Come on somebody. This is especially true let me throw this one out there in blended families. When you, if you listen, by the way, let me let me say this: If you, you know, we have in our church people from many different backgrounds, and sometimes we have men that come in, sometimes women that come in, with already from a previous marriage or previous relationship, they have children, and if you're going to marry that individual, you're not just marrying them. Amen. And uh, and you cannot; those are your children. You're 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 gonna you're 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 committing before God to raise those children. As your own. But this becomes problematic. And I have dealt with this many, many times. In counseling couples. And and working with families. Amen. This really becomes an issue. And this is especially true. Amen. My brother. My sister. You better be careful here. Amen. Because by not. uh, By neglecting them in such a way. And by playing favorites. You're going to oh you may be you may be blessing one but you're embittering the other. Amen. See training children I close is a delicate delicate ministry and parents amen tend to lose our balance. It's hard it's not easy. amen now, there is there is no I, I, you know when when you you know when you got your first child or your second or third amen it didn't come with a manual. You know, how many of you ever bought a car? You you, you open the the, uh, glove compartment. There it is. There's a manual. You buy your cell phone. Everything has a manual. Things that don't even matter. Why do I need a manual for this? It's a chair that's already built. And your kids, which are complicated, they do not come with a manual. But God gave us one. It's right here. God's word. And. I wish that I could say to you, "Oh, well, okay, let's see. we have got a problem here. You're, you're having a, you're having boy issues." Okay, let me let me find it. I, I, it, it that's not how it works necessarily, but how it does work is I read this book for myself. It becomes my life, and I instill this into my children, and that is how this manual works. And it becomes a blessing to you to your children, to your children's children, and so on and so forth till Jesus comes back. We don't want to embitter our children. We don't want to turn our children away. We don't want to provoke them negatively. We don't want to discourage them. I want my kids to love God, to desire nothing but to serve him and to live for him. And the only way that I know to do that is to put God first in my life and yes, to a large degree, force it on my children when they're children because a time will come when there's nothing I could force on them. Oh, Pastor, I don't think that's right to force. What do you mean? You, you force them to go to school. You force them to eat their, their veggies. You force them to, to, to wa- brush their teeth. You force them to take a bath. You, you, right? But you can't force them to come to church to serve God, absolutely you can, and we should. Amen, we should. We should make a real effort and and make it the center of our lives because you know what? Your children, I know we say they're not. Jesus is the center of our lives, but next to Jesus, listen, through the, the the three most important things that you have is number one, your relationship with God. If you're married, your relationship with your spouse, and number three, your children. And all go hand in hand. Amen. Let us bow our heads.